Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you all. Hey, I was wondering, uh, you know, these weird thoughts come to me at different times in my life, and I was wondering, do all people see the colors the same? You know, like if I look at a certain color, does it always look the same to me as it does to you? And I was just thinking, like, maybe sometimes colors do look different. So, like, if I was to look at uh, maybe you see green, but another person sees purple. But you don't know that it's green because you've always known green to be called purple, right? So you go through your whole life thinking that green is purple, not knowing there's any difference. Because all you've ever known is that green is purple. So you guys know what I mean? Yeah? Okay. Like, don't you ever think that? Thoughts like that? So I'm thinking, you know, maybe we do see things differently. I mean, when you go to the department store, you go over to the electronic section, right? And you go and you compare all the TV screens or the monitors, and don't the colors look different in each one, right? And I'm thinking, well, if the technology that displays the colors displays it slightly different, then maybe the technology that views the colors sees it a little differently too. In fact, for some of us, colors are really different, and there are people who are actually called colorblind, right? You guys are aware of that. You've heard that term before. And uh, you, it's hard to know what they're seeing, right? Because we can't see through their eyes. But there are tests in order to discover if someone is colorblind. And I like to experiment. And you guys look like a good crowd to experiment on. So would you like to do an experiment today? We'll try it. All right. Good. Good. I like that. So we're going to test to see if you are colorblind this morning. And now I did this a few years ago and we had some shocking results. So if I'm not a doctor, nor do I pretend to be one. So if you don't want to know whether you're colorblind or not, I'm going to ask you not to look at the screens for the next few minutes as we are going to go through this test. But if you want to do this with me, then what I want you to do is take out your outlines, pull those out for a moment and get ready to write on them. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some images. So as you have those out, get your pens ready, because I'm going to ask you to write down something on that. Now, we're going to put an image up, and I had to put it on each of the screens today. So the first image, we're going to go ahead and put that up on the screen. Okay, there. It may vary, because the screens, again, the colors are different, right, on each one. Okay, so if you look, you should see something. So write down on your paper what you saw. All right, who sees a circle, a star, and a square? Raise your hands if you Okay, pretty much everyone. Well, you should, because this is just the, this is just the, 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 the standard here. We're just going to check first. Okay, so now what you're going to do is we're going to see another image and write down what you see on that uh, image. Go ahead, take the next one. I'll give you a second. Write that down. All right, who sees a square? Good. Who sees a circle? Ah, Okay, now you may not see it very clearly from where you're sitting, but there is a circle right there. And on the big screen, you can see it right there. Now, I wish I had printed these out. It might have been a little bit better for you. But if you don't see that, you may want to go get tested. Let's look at another one. Let's see another one. We'll put up another one on here. All right, you guys see anything? Write down on your papers what you see. All right. What does somebody see? Yell it out. A boat. What did someone say? Sailboat. I thought someone said like a chain or something. I was like, what? Yeah, there's a sailboat. There's the sail, the mast, there's the sail, and there's the, the boat part of it. All right, good. So, again, no screaming if you don't see it. I'm blind. No. All right, let's try another one. Okay, what do you see right down in your paper, what you see? A five. That's right. Okay, let's try the next one. 
16. Okay, everybody should see that. They're like, good, I finally saw one. You should see that. All right, the next one. This one's a little harder. It's a two, that's right. All right, you see? Now, here's the thing. Some of you may have discovered something about yourself today. Like I said, the last time I did it, four people found out that they were colorblind and they had never known it. It's an interesting thing because it, like, when we're looking through our eyes, we don't necessarily see something the way other people see it. And the most common form of colorblindness is that we don't see red. And you'll notice that some of those images were red images that we weren't seeing within the green. My uh, uncle told me this story one time, and I actually met another friend I knew who was colorblind. It was a similar story, but my uncle was in engineering school, and he was studying, and then the professor, they went in there, and the professor had this diagram drawn on the board, and it was physics, and there was these force vectors, if you know what that is, like an arrow, and you had to write them all down, because they all pertain to this problem, and then he took the homework home, and then his friend Steve and he were studying, and Steve was like, listen, there's not enough information on this paper, I can't figure it out. And he's like, sure it is, everything's here. My uncle's like, no, there isn't. And he, so after going back and forth a little bit, my uncle's let me see your paper. And he looks on his paper, and he goes, listen, you're missing half of the vectors here. And all the ones he were missing were the red vectors on the green background. He couldn't see them. And he realized in college that he was colorblind. He couldn't see it. Now, it doesn't mean you can't see any colors. Usually it's something like red. Listen, colorblindness typically occurs 7% of all men in the United States and about 0.4 in women. So most of the women should have seen that. That means 10 million men in the United States have some form of colorblindness. Now, if you're wondering why that your guy is always dressed funny and not matching, could be he just can't help it, ladies. He's just colorblind. He has no way of knowing. He could have fashion sense, and he just doesn't know it. You see, sometimes we don't see red in our lives because uh, we're not able to. But other times I think we see it, but it's just become dull to us. You know, if you look around, there's always something in this room that's red. But there's always there's a lot of times there's red in our lives that we're kind of missing sometimes. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about our finances. Sometimes we don't see red. You know what red means when you're in your finances? Yeah, some of you do. Listen, when it comes to our finances, every single one of you is on a budget. And you're like, wow, I'm on a budget and I didn't even know it. Well, before you get all excited, let me explain something about your budget. Your budget is this. Every month you have a certain amount of money that comes into your household. And that's through income or gifts or however you get that. Something comes in. Now, at the end of each month, you also have a certain amount that goes out. And that's called your expenses. And that might be your rent, your mortgage, your food expenses, car payments, anything like that. Now, if the money coming in to the month is greater than the money that goes out, you're said to be in the black, black. You're in the black. But if the money coming in is less than the money going out, then you said that you're said to be in the red. You're in the red. You're in debt. That's what that means. Black, good. Red, bad. See, each of us, when you put it like that, we're, each of us is on a budget. Just depends on what your budget is, right? So here's the thing. We've becoming very accustomed in this society to living in the red is the truth. And it's permeated our culture everywhere. See, most people feel that they cannot get ahead in life without going into debt, without going into the red. And this idea does permeate everywhere. It's from the top down. Listen, I have some statistics I want to show you. Check it out. The national debt. A lot of people, have you been contemplating that lately, thinking about those things because it's been soaring? It's actually doubled since in seven years, in the last seven years, or six years, excuse me, it has doubled. It was seven, uh, seven trillion in about 2004 or so. 
and now it's $14 trillion. The U.S. population is $308 billion. That's the, the new census, 2010. So if we look at how much share we each owe and your children owe, all of you, not household, person, owes $45,000. So we're, you know, from the very top, we're, we're saying, okay, we can survive on debt somehow. We're learning that this is how you live your life. But let's take it a step closer. Let's look at credit card debt that each of us has. Credit card debt. I have more statistics up here. Credit card debt in the United States is 88 or $886 billion. And 46.2% of the people in the United States actually carry a balance. That means you don't pay it off every year, that, every month. That means there is debt. I want everyone here to turn to their right and look at the person on your right. Just look on the person on your right. You're going to see the back of their head because they're looking the other way. And it's probably a good thing because one of you is in debt. And if you're on the end of the row, you might be the person who's in debt too. About 50% of us are carrying debt on our credit cards. That's what it's saying. Listen, um, we live in a society where debt seems acceptable and inevitable, don't we? But listen, the Bible tells us differently. Listen to this. The wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous shows mercy and gives. We borrow but don't repay, but the righteous show mercy and give. Now here's the thing. Some of us would love to give, wouldn't we? Like I like that last half. I'd love to give, but we're not in a position to give because we are in debt. We owe money. Living from paycheck to paycheck, constantly working to pay debt, debt is not how God intended for your life to be. Now we're in a series called The Blessed Life. Peace, freedom, and hope. And many people listening today have a hard time experiencing the blessed life. Why? Because they are in debt. Listen, let's check out our first point in the outline. You should have it out. Number one, debt equals bondage. Write that in there. Debt equals bondage. You see, there is no freedom in owing money. When you owe someone, someone is telling you how you spend your money. Because you have to pay back a debt. That means when you get your paycheck... Before you can do much else, you have to pay the person that you owe. And you are a slave. That's what the Bible tells us. This verse is in your outline too. It says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower are servant to the lender. So what he's saying is you are a slave and you're in bondage to the person that you owe. Now you say, okay, I understand that I have to pay payments. But do you realize how much bondage we are actually in when we owe money? Listen to this. I want to take a look. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but have you ever pulled out, if you own a home, let's just take a hand. Does anybody own a home in here? A few of you do, okay, or you've owned one. Before you get your loan, the bank gives you a statement, and it's called a truth in lending statement. And what that is, is it has out all of the payments that you're going to have to make on your home and how much the house is going to be totally paid, how much it's going to cost you. Because even though you're paying a purchase price, you know we're paying interest on it, so it's got to go up a little bit, right? Well, let's just look about how much it does go up. If you are at a $150,000 home, I'm going to pull up another slide here, $150,000 home right here, and you had a 30-year mortgage, which is pretty standard, at 5% per year. And now that's pretty reasonable. A lot of, some are a little higher right now. We can get a little lower. But look at the interest that you're going to pay, 139000 When you totally pay off that house, it's almost double what it costs you. That's what we have to pay all the time to the bank. See, that's an example of what compound interest working against you. You see, 
It's going to cost you when you borrow so much more than you ever thought. I mean, I hated looking at that statement when I bought my house. I'm like, what's the deal? How can I pay so much? I mean, it's really this much. I'm almost paying double. And as that percentage rate goes up, it goes up much, much, much higher how much you owe by the, end, by the time you have to pay it off. Now you go, okay, so the, it's a house. We have to borrow, right? I mean, how can we get a house without borrowing? All right, well, let me take, let's take a look at something that's a little more common example on how debt works for you and me. Let's just say that you guys wanted to make a purchase. Like your refrigerator, it's the old, you know, that almond color, and you don't like that anymore because it doesn't match anything else, so you want the new stainless steel refrigerator, right? Right? Okay. Or let's just say you were, you know, you're so sick of working right now, you need a vacation and you want to go to the Bahamas, right? So you spend $2,500, $2,500 to go on a trip or to buy the stainless steel refrigerator that you have to have because it matches. Now, you put that money down on your credit card because you don't seem to have it right now. So, and the credit card is going to charge you 18% interest. Now, if you pay the minimum that they suggest, and some of them have modified that lately for different reasons, and usually the reason is so that they can only make more money, by the way, but what they do is they modify that what you would normally pay is 2% of what you owe. That's the minimum payment. So let's say you go through life and you say, well, I got it, but I don't really have other things to pay, so I'm only going to pay the minimum balance. Let's say you only ever paid the minimum balance for the life of that loan. I got a that's quiz for you here, so we're going to put it up here. How many years do you think it would take for you to pay off a loan of $2,500 at 18% interest paying the minimum balance? Two years? Five years? 12 years? 21 years? Or none of the above? Whisper in the ear of the person next to you what you think it is. Okay? If you guessed none of the above, you are very smart. And now tell the person next to you that you're very smart because you told them ahead of time. Now listen, we're going to go to the next slide. At $2,500, at 18% interest, the minimum, at the minimum payment, it's going to take you 34 years and six months. 34 years. Talk about being a slave to the lender. Now, if you're actually alive after you've, made, after you've paid it off, you live that long, right? You're still alive. How much do you think you've actually paid for that refrigerator slash vacation? Let's take a look again. The starting balance was $2,500. You paid $6,421 in interest and totally paid almost $9,000 for the refrigerator that you just had to have. All right? You're like, I can't believe this. Listen, this is an example today of what many people are in. They're in these situations because they do have debt. And we do want to purchase new things. Or sometimes we have to purchase something because we have some kind of catastrophe. And then we get stuck into situations like we just saw. Now, how do we get this way? How do we get in this situation in the first place? Well, the truth is, it started with this little guy right here. You might not be able to see it, but that's a credit card. And everybody's like, yeah, you don't have to see that. I have one, right? Who doesn't have one? That's the thing. Getting one of these is easier than catching a cold, isn't it? Right? I mean, come home to your house. You look through all the junk mail, and how many of them are an offer for a free credit card? They want to give me money. I don't know why. I, they don't even know me, and they want to give me money. Right? You go to the checkout at Walmart, at Kmart, at Public, wherever. I don't know where you go. And what's the thing they ask you? Would you like to save 10% today? Right? I'm like, 
Yeah, I'd like to say, I always say the same thing. I'd like to save 10%, but I don't want the credit card. <laughs> I mean, because you feel dumb because you're answering, no, I don't want to save 10%. <laughs> of course I do, but I don't want the credit card. Listen, they make it really easy. You know, there are teenagers today without jobs who have credit cards. Where is that? You know, they're spending without anything coming in. Listen, I came home to an incredible message on my answering machine the other day. They wanted to put satellite dishes in three of my rooms for cable TV, all for free, and all the guy wanted was my information. And it was going to be free. Do you believe that? (laughs) But that's what it sounds like. Everybody is trying to give me money. It's buy now, pay later. I mean, I really do feel special. I mean, what's next? I mean, somebody's going to plant a money tree outside my house. That's how much people want to give me money. Listen, the Bible says this, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Listen, the average credit card debt per credit card, per credit card, is $5,100. Not household credit card. That means if you have five of these, you could have $25,000 worth of debt. Per credit card. The only time we should ever use one of these, honestly, these things are very dangerous for all of us because we all are tempted. There's not one person who goes, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal for me. Because any opportunity, we can just pick it up and buy something. The only good use of a credit card, to be honest, the only way you should ever be using your credit card is if you can completely pay it off at the end of the month. That's the only way you should be using it. Because you're like, hey, I don't like carrying cash when I'm on vacation. All right? Use your credit card, but make sure when you get home, you're going to pay it off. Oh, yeah, but I want to make a big purchase. Okay, just pay it off when you get home. That's the only time we should ever use it. The prudent person sees what's coming, and they make a wise decision. That's what credit cards can do to us. Listen, next week, we have a very special speaker here. It's going to, his name is Bob, um, Bob Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. And he's going to be talking to us about how not to pass this on to our next generation. That money is just easy and free because it's not. He's going to be talking about how to instill financial responsibility in our children from a very young age. Listen, you guys don't want to miss it. Because even if you don't have children now, you may have them in the future. And if not, they're great principles for you to learn and understand and pass on to someone else. So he's going to be here next year and I want to invite every one of you back here to hear him speak. But listen, why do I want to get you guys all worked up about debt? Because the truth is we need a reality check. Here's the thing. Most of us look at this right here and we look at it and we think freedom, right? I look at this card and I'm thinking this is freedom. Listen, it's free to get whatever I want whenever I want. If I'm at a store and hey, I don't want that. My wife, will you like those jewels, baby? All right, yeah. Charge it, right? Just made my wife happy. It's free to me because I don't see the money going out. Listen, it's free to buy a pair of shoes, though we have a, you know, a closet full of them, right? It's freedom to dine out tonight, even though we just spent on that credit card $75 at Publix. It's free to take a spur-of-the-moment vacation, even though I still haven't paid off the last one. It's free to get a plasma t- or, or a LCD TV, right? A 52, even though my 40-inch is just perfect as it is. It's freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want. It's everywhere I want to be, right? It is. But the truth is, this is not freedom. This is actually bondage. This is actually chains. 
Listen, that leads me to my next point, number two, is that this. God wants to set me free. God wants to set you free. Listen, the, the nation of Israel knows what it's like to live in constant debt. For 400 years, they lived in Egypt, and they were slaves to the Pharaoh there. 400 years. And so God, when he gets them through the desert, and they do 40 years of that, and then they get into the promised land, and God institutes this interesting thing, because God is not like the other nations. God is not like this world. And he's not about debt. He is all about freedom. So God institutes this statute. It'll be on the screen and it's in your program. You know, please read along. It says this. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there, is, there may be no more poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Are you kidding me? Do you guys ever see this in the Bible before? God says that... After seven years, just cancel the debt? That's crazy, isn't it? That's like, I can't even believe that. The first time I heard it, I like fell off my chair. God wants his people to be free so badly that he instituted a get-out-of-debt-free debt free card after seven years. He's like, listen, I don't ever want you guys to be in bondage. I want you to be free. Here, get out of jet, debt. After seven debts, seven years, the debt was forgiven. Can you imagine that? Imagine you borrowed money from a bank, right? And you've been paying installments on that loan for seven years. And all of a sudden, the bank manager just calls you up one day. Hey, John, yes, this is Mr. So-and-so. Listen, you know that money you owe us? Yeah, forget about it. What? Are you kidding me? That can't be real. Imagine college loan that you have. And a government official calls you up and says, Yeah, you know, I know you're married now. You got some kids. You know, it's been seven years. That's long enough. Tell you what, let's just call it even. Wow. That's amazing. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Listen, we'd be doing our happy dance if that happened, right? Now, this is what I don't want you to do. The lawnmower that you borrowed from your neighbor seven years ago. Don't like walk over to his house and say, listen, God said I can keep it now. Okay, don't do that. Just return the thing already. Listen, God warns us not to enter into debt. Because he wants us to be free. Not because he's angry with us, but because he would spare us the burden of what debt does to us. You see, God has not meant for you and me to bear bear the burdens and the pressures that come with debt. He doesn't want that for you. God wants to set you free. Listen, he says seven years is too much. God's crazy like that, isn't he? God's actually crazy like that for you. Listen, the Bible says this, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. His very own son he sent to pay the debt for you. God paid dearly to set us free. And he desires that we don't go back into bondage. 
Listen, God knows a blessed life is not about constantly being in debt. And he wants you to experience freedom. You see, God wants to set you free just like that. But here's the thing. A lot of us say, well, if God wants to set me free like that, why doesn't he just do it? Why doesn't he just pay off all my stuff for me and set me free? Listen, because that's not the way it happens. You have to do your part. And that's the third fill-in in your outline. I have to do my part. I have to do my part. God wants you to live a blessed life. But some of us are not allowing God to bless us. God wants to bless you in the area of finances. But here's the deal. He can't because we've been keeping ourselves in a position that's not allowing him to do that. Listen, many of us are swimming in debt. Here's the way it usually goes, right? We get into debt, okay? For some reason or another, we get into debt. And then we wait for a miracle to get us out, right? Something big's got to happen. We start playing lotto. We start doing all these things. We want God to just snap his fingers and bail us out just like that. The problem, though, is for God to do that is just like winning the lottery. The, sl- the chances of that happening are very slim. Very slim. It's so small. And I suppose we think this way, that God would just do that, is because we see a lot on the movies, don't we? We watch a movie and what happens? The guy who's poor, suddenly something happens and he becomes rich. All of our problems get solved in the movies. And so we kind of think that that's the way it's going to happen for us. And in the movies, you never see any of the work or anything that happens. It just seems to happen miraculously. But that's not the way it's going to happen, to be honest. Actually, biblically, it happens just the opposite of that. Listen to this verse that's in your outline. It says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you? With the true riches. This is a true principle. If you can't be faithful in the little that you've already had, why do you think you're going to be faithful in something that's greater? Here's the thing. Even if God did snap his finger and give it to you, what would we probably do with it? We'd probably mismanage it and not use it right anyway. We'd probably find ourselves right back in debt. You see, because the one who is not faithful with little won't be faithful with what is great. So we're sitting around, right, waiting for our ship to come in, continuing the same bad habits that got us in the situation in the first place. And then we're sitting around expecting God to do something and just take us out of it. And then we wonder why we don't feel God's blessing in our life, right? We're like, wow, you know, where's God's blessing? Why isn't he blessing me in this area? You know, I pray to him, I do all these things, but we haven't done anything to manage what he's already giving us correctly. Listen, I'm going to tell you how you can set yourself up for God to bless you. You ready for this? You diligently work through it with consistency and sacrifice. That's how you're going to get God to bless you in the area of your finances. Listen, we've got to change what we've been doing. We've got to stop doing nothing and start working tirelessly to get out of debt. Listen, if you go on any website, you talk to any expert in finances, they're going to tell you the exact same thing. Get your budget straightened out and stick to it, no matter what. And it's probably going to take some sacrifice on your part. 
It is. Listen, it may mean no vacation this year in the Bahamas. It may mean that you're not going to have cable or some other service in your house so you can get your budget straightened out. It may be selling that car that you love, that you saved up for to get, but it's costing you so much in payments that you can't afford it. Get rid of my car? Are you kidding me? It may take that. And it may mean something even more radical even than that. Listen, if you want God to trust you, you've got to start being trustworthy in what you already have. So you may be saying to yourself, well, okay, I'm in debt. You're telling me I need to make some changes in my life. So what do I do? I mean, how do I start this? What am I even going to do? Well, if you pull out your connection card for just a moment. Go ahead, pull it out. You'll also see in your your program a flyer for the financial seminar that we're offering in February. And that financial seminar is about a half a day long. But there, which is what's going to happen if you sign up for that financial seminar. You're going to learn what a budget is. You're going to learn what your budget is. See, there's many people right now in this audience who have no idea, really, there's some of you that don't even really know how much is actually coming in at the month, in the, in the beginning of the month and actually going out. And so some of you are going to learn some of the basic things of just how to keep track of that. Others of you are going to learn things to get out of debt. When we looked at the display on the screen about how much it costs us for our mortgages, you're also going to learn some things on how you can reduce that. Did you know, for instance, if you pay one extra mortgage payment per year, you'll reduce the life of that loan by as much as six years or more, and you'll save tens of thousands of dollars, not tens of dollars or thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on that house just by making one extra payment. You'll go to that seminar and you'll learn to get on a budget. You'll learn what is your next steps to do. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later because Carol and I apply those to our lives when we got married. But listen, what I want you to do is if you were sitting here and you're saying, yeah, where do I get started? The answer is right in front of you. Sign up for the seminar and make sure you attend it so that you can get the tools necessary to start getting your life back in order and on the right track. Number four. The secret to a blessed life is blessing others. The secret to a blessed life is blessing others. I visited Colombia a few years back with my wife. She is from Colombia. And we were hanging out there. We had a great time. I mean, I loved Colombia. And while we were there, there was a man who drove us back to the airport. We had to drive three hours to Cali. And I don't know if you're familiar with that makes any sense to anybody here. But we had to go three hours to a city called Cali. And he drove us there. And he, was, he worked for Carol's family, the ones who live in Colombia. And so he's driving us. And we're, of course, three hours. We have plenty of time to talk. And we're talking about life and everything. And we come to find out that he's making $5 a day. Because she's not like from Bogota. They're from this little city way out in nowhere. And they're making like 5 bucks a day. And I'm like, wow, 5 bucks a day. And he starts telling me about he's saving up for a home and he's going to buy a little a plot of land there. And what, that plot of land is going to cost him $1,200. $1,200. And he's like saving up for that. And he says it's going to take him six years to get that piece of land. Six years. I'm thinking, man, I'm t- telling him, you know, my house is about 100 times that price. Seriously, it is. I'm thinking to myself, Man, I feel like really rich right now. Because I could walk in here and I could buy that plot of land for this guy like right now. And then he said, you know what? After I get the land, it's going to take me another six years 
until I can build the home on it. This guy's talking 12 years before he's going to get into his own home. We can get him almost immediately half the time because the banks just want to give us money for some reason, right? And I'm thinking, this guy, imagine the value this home is going to be to this guy after he spends 12 years saving, scrimping and saving, and working on it probably on his own some of the time. Thinking the value of that home to him is going to be amazing. And then we started talking. We went out to dinner that night. And as we went out to dinner and the bill came, it wasn't like an expensive restaurant. We were sitting out on a patio. I mean, it was probably like going to Fridays, TGI Fridays or something like that equivalent. And it wasn't a chain or anything. And we bought him dinner. And when the bill came, I'm thinking, you know what? This is more than three days pay for this guy that we just bought dinner for him. And it was like nothing to us. Like three days. I'm like, I, you know, imagine right now that you were three days pay and went out and took your wife out to dinner. Where would you go? Probably someplace pretty nice, right? And you'd probably struggle to spend it all unless you're drinking wine because those bottles cost too much now that I drink it. But listen, he's telling me about how he eats. And I'm like, man, how do you afford to eat and stuff? And so he goes, listen, I buy this one meal from this people, and I take this one meal on our weekend, and we all eat it together. We sit down, we go to the park, and we eat it together. And he says, we have a great time. We spend the whole day together, just me and my family, enjoying it. And I'm like, wow, so do you ever wish you were making more money? He goes, you know what? I wouldn't trade this for the world. I wouldn't trade what I have right now for anything. Because I love my family, my family loves me, we spend the most time together and we enjoy ourselves. Here's the problem with access to credit, right? Because they make it so easy, we've forgotten the value of things, haven't we? Right? I mean, we buy the cell phone and then the next one we weren't already and the old one's a piece of junk. Even though somebody would be, that technology for someone is like past what they've ever seen. And we don't enjoy it that much, do we? Because it didn't cost us that much. We play with it for a little bit, and the next thing you know, it's gone. And we're still paying the debt on it long before, you know, long after we've even remembered what we're paying for. And that's what life has gotten for some of us. And so we can't even enjoy the stuff. We can't have a blessed life because this stuff has come so easy to you and me. That's why the Bible says this, pay all of your debts. Listen, pay all of your debts except for the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that debt. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. Listen, when we're in debt, we are so consumed with our own situation, we can't even think to help somebody else. Sometimes it brings such stress into our lives. Sometimes it, can be such, it consumes our time so much. It takes all of our resources and our money that we don't have much to give to anybody else, do we? Because debt is doing that to us. Listen, God wants you to be free. God's purpose for you is to be a blessing to other people. God wants you to be a funnel, not a reservoir. Listen, Carolina, some of you guys know this. Carolina, my wife, she, she fainted at the gym. Like, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, a month ago or something. And she was working out, and all of a sudden she just like passed out. So like, they're like, listen, you've got to take her to the emergency room. So she was doing fine, but we took her to the emergency room, and then they're like, okay, we want to run some tests. Anytime this happens, we check out the brain. We do all this stuff. So they start doing EKGs, and they're going to do uh, the, the CAT scan and all this stuff. And they didn't admit her. They just kept her like overnight in the ER or whatever. 
So we do all that, and then we get home, and then this bill comes in the mail. And this bill adds up to over $11,000. $11,000. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And they weren't going to pay almost 3000 of it. And Carol's like, for this, I mean, I wanted, that, I wanted that CAT scan. I wanted to see what my brain looked like. And I was like, yeah, I wanted to see if there was proof of your brain, too. I mean, uh, I wanted to see that, too. And uh, I'm like, we didn't even get anything out of that. And we came home, and there's $3,000 that we owed. You know? Praise God that uh, we had insurance. We actually had the money to pay it if we needed to. We really did. And we didn't even have to dip into our emergency savings. Here's what Carol and I did when we first got married. We've been in growth groups together. There's a Crown Financial small group we're going to offer to. And we've been to the seminar. And we knew exactly what we were supposed to do. So the first thing we did when we got married, we got out of debt. The second thing we did, we put together emergency savings. And then we started saving for the long term. And we had all of this. And I don't know if you know, but we also had a few financial setbacks last year in our household. And we didn't earn as much as we earned last year. And yet, still, we didn't even have to touch our emergency savings. Because when you're in a position where you're taking care of your finances, God's able to bless. I mean, honestly, we don't even know where the money comes from. I mean, it's the same money. I suppose if I did the numbers, it would show. Here's the funny thing. We gave more last year than the year before. And we made less. See, that's the kind of life that I've always wanted to live. In fact, Carol and I have purposed every year we're going to give more. We're going to give more every year, every single one. You know, if you've heard of Rick Warren, anybody hear of Rick Warren before? Yeah, he's a Saddleback, Purpose Driven Life. He wrote that book. Well, when he wrote that book, and he wrote a couple others, and he's the senior pastor out there of this church that's like twenty or 30,000 people, so you can only imagine how much money he would make as just the senior pastor. Well, here's what he did when he sold that book because it was like a bestseller. He took money and he paid back every single year, probably since the 80s, of every salary he ever got paid from the church. And he gave it back to the church. And then on top of that, all his life, he'd been doing this. He'd been upping how much he gave every year. Upping it, upping it, upping it. And when he sold his book, now this is what he does. He gives 90% of his income away. 90%. He's like a reverse tither. You know, we keep 90 and we give in 10. He's giving 90 and keeping 10. And I had heard a story a long time ago of a guy who was homeless, and one day he decided to do the exact same thing. And it, maybe it was just a story. But this guy did it, and he found two bucks, and he gave away you know, $1.80, and God just kept giving money to the point where he could not get rid of the money fast enough. And I don't want the money for the sake of not being able to give it fast enough, but my thing is, like, how exciting would that be? To watch God work in that way and to be able to bless so many people who need money or need help in some way. And so we're on this track that we're just going to give more and more and more because we believe that that's what God wants from us. And I believe that God wants that for you. God wants you to live the blessed life just like that. You see, because God has made us to be people who are generous and it will start when we get ourselves out of debt and we get ourselves in a place where God can really start to bless us in our finances. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you. Because sometimes the statistics, the things we see, they're a little bit staggering. But we sometimes need that wake-up call in our lives to say, yeah, what are we doing? Lord, this world, this place we live in is all about you. 
And yet sometimes because of the positions we put ourselves in and the choices we've made, it becomes all about us. Lord, I pray for everyone out here that you would help them no matter where their situation is. If they're drowning in debt, Lord, would you reach out and give them proper tools and help them to get out of debt? And Lord, maybe they're somebody who's making ends meet, but they just don't even know where the money's going. Lord, would you help them get on the track to being on the blessed life where they can bless others and where they can feel secure that you're in control of their finances? Lord, I thank you for this message today, and I pray that we'll take it to heart and apply what we've learned. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.